Oscar Combs here, and I want to put one rumor to rest, once and for all. The story is that Rafferty's goes all out for sports fans. And let me tell you, it's absolutely true. Confirmed. And fans love Rafferty's right back because the food is so terrific. Serve fresh. Serve fast. Serve friendly. Lunch or dinner. Rafferty's menu is jam-packed with all your favorites. Steaks, prime rib, chicken, ribs, delicious dishes and generous sizes that really satisfy the appetite. So come hang with the sports crowd at Rafferty's. It's the tastiest place in town. Well, Oscar, here we are in the middle of March, heading into the Sweet 16. But let's get your overall thoughts on the tournament. First of all, let's start with the SEC teams. What a change. You know, going through the SEC regular season and then the tournament, a lot of people were saying there was only one team, Kentucky, and nobody else. And, boy, did some of these teams turn it around the first week of the NCAA. At the very top of the list, uh, you got to go with South Carolina. Who would have really thought? thought that they would have even a, a Chinaman's change against Duke. I didn't give them much of a chance at all. And, you know, I, I even had Duke in my bracket going to the Final Four. I thought Duke was playing really good, especially after beating Louisville, North Carolina, winning the ACC tournament. I apologize to Frank Martin. I didn't give him much of a chance. And then you go to Vanderbilt, which played really, really good against uh, Northwestern, the Cinderella team, until the bad ending there where the player called the uh, – uh, and uh, was called for the intentional foul, thinking that the coach was instructing him to foul when they were actually up one instead of down one, except the fact the coach would tell him just to guard him, not to foul him. Vandy and Northwestern, that's kind of a double-edged sword to me because, you know, I want the conference to do well as a whole, but then you got to like stories about like Northwestern yeah. first time in the tournament and, and, two, and getting their first win. And two real academic schools, you know. How do you go brain dead in the middle of a game when you go to Vanderbilt or Northwestern? Let's talk about Arkansas. They had another controversial finish against North Carolina. Yeah, I, I mean, we, you watch that game, and, and Arkansas played its heart out. And right there with about a minute to go, give or take a few seconds, uh, the, uh, the North Carolina kid, he either stumbles for at least five or six steps or he charges. And they call nothing. And he sort of just throws the ball up as he's walking or charging. And it goes over the goal, but there is a player there who puts it right back in, and they end up losing. Just, just a terrible way to lose. Not saying they would have won, but they would have had an opportunity to win that. And would that have been huge because North Carolina was the last team surviving up to now in March Madness from the powerful ACC. Were you surprised how well Arkansas played against North Carolina to well, take them down to the wire like yes that? Yes and no. I have to say yes at the end. But if you remember, and we talked about this earlier, they played really well toward the end of the season. They sort of got things turned around in late January, early February. I think as a matter of the ACC as a whole, particularly where it comes to SEC teams, they weren't ready for the athleticism of a lot of the players from the SEC. And as you well know, when you go into a tournament and you're an eight or ten point favorite and it's a non-basketball named school, you sort of take it for granted. And by the time you wake up, sometimes it's too late, which brings us to Florida. What a job they did on Virginia. 
I mean, you know, you look at that score and you say, that's a misprint. 65-39. And again, Virginia was one of the teams everybody all all year long thought was going to be right there at the end. I think Virginia beat Louisville twice during the regular season. I think they did too. Florida's got it going on. Mike White has it going on as well. When we talked about the SEC tournament, and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm looking at all the SEC schools that were in the NCAA tournament. First of all, I tip my hat to Frank Martin, which I love when they talk about Frank Martin on the on sports talk radio. They're playing the Godfather when, team behind when this, them. When this bracket came out in the East Regional, you had the number one overall seed in the whole tournament, Villanova State at home. And you go, wow. And then you had sitting there at number two, Duke. So what happens? Villanova gets upset. And then everybody said, oh, the NCAA just greased the path for Duke. Until who came along? Uh, Frank and company. And now half of your East Regional is SEC. Right. Along with Baylor, you know, and Wisconsin. And Wisconsin is the one that turned the trick on Villanova. You know, you could, I won't say easily, but Madison Square Garden, when they gave this tournament to Madison Square Garden, this is the first time in over 50 years that the NCAA has played in Madison Square Garden during a tournament. Going back to the scandal of the 50s, which they said they never go back. When they rescheduled and said, we're going back to Madison Square Garden about three years ago, I don't think anybody in the world anticipated Wisconsin, Baylor, South Carolina, and Florida as the four teams that were going to play there. Not at all. Expert picks, and I'm using quotes when I'm saying that. They've all said the same thing. Did you expect these teams to be playing in Madison Square Garden. Well, you expect somebody like Kansas, UCLA, North Carolina, Duke, Indiana. The real marquee matchup. The real marquee matchup. And none made it. One more thing about South Carolina. How great was it that South Carolina was able to beat Duke in Greenville, South Carolina? Well, you know, that's a whole other story there, how that got moved over from Greensboro there. And when you got to that them games at night, you had two SEC teams there, South Carolina and Arkansas. And you had two Blue Bloods, Duke and North Carolina. The ironic thing about that, in the first game, North Carolina's playing. Everybody except North Carolina is against North Carolina, including the two SC schools, and Duke was rooting against them. Then when it went to the second game, North Carolina was rooting against Duke, and the two SEC schools was rooting for the SEC team. Turned out to be a perfect scenario for the SEC. (laughs) Absolutely. Florida. Mike White has done a great job at Florida. He certainly has. He's got this team. This being his second year, they bought into his system. I think they're a year earlier than what I thought they would be as far as buying into the system. They're very, very sound fundamentally. And they've been able to sneak up on some people. Now, you know, it's a different story. It's going to be interesting to see how they do up in Madison Square Garden this weekend. But I, I, th- I think that uh, they might be my pick up there. And Oscar and I, we will preview uh, the matchups here in the Sweet 16. But uh, last but not least, let's talk about Kentucky. Not uh, Certainly not the ideal game starting off the NCAA tournament, being favored by 20 and only winning by nine. Well, you know, that's sort of been the bugaboo for Kentucky here of late and some of the regular season games in the SEC. But it's not all that bad in the end because people still take it for granted. Anybody that wins this tournament, is going to win a couple games or at least one when they don't play very well. And then you've got to find that one where everything just goes just right. With four games left to win a title, they haven't had that magical game yet. 
So it may be out there waiting. You just hope it comes before a clunker comes. But they played very well. Oftentimes, if you win all of your games during the regular season by 30 or 40, they wonder, well, what will happen? They get in crunch time where they freeze, where they bow under pressure. Well, Kentucky's played enough of them this year. They're sort of ready for that. And I think that's what Kyle was saying, you know, when they finally ended up being Wichita State this weekend. But going to Indianapolis with the pairings they had up there, they also had Louisville in there with them uh, Sunday. And then when Louisville got beat by Michigan, you, you, you were just ready for the second one. And it was a well-played game. It wasn't the prettiest game, but defensively, I mean, those two clubs got after it. Well, to use the old NCAA tournament cliche, survive in advance. That, that's all you want to do, no matter how pretty it is. Uh, if you can wake up and you're still in the tournament, you've got another chance to go. Well, let's take a look at the uh, Sweet 16 matchups here uh, in the uh, East Regional and this game is, I'll see, I believe, what, Friday night, 9.59, and we know how those times work. Uh, it's uh, Wisconsin and Florida, Florida minus two. Yeah, which means Florida's a two-point favorite. Uh, Wisconsin has had an up-and-down season, but they're going to play a tight game that you normally don't see during the regular season. Uh, thankfully for Florida, uh, they just got through playing Virginia, which plays very much like that. So they've had a, a game where they can really use that as an example of how to be ready for it. I think it'll be a war, be a low-scoring game, probably in the 60s. Could be in the high 50s, probably 60s. I like Florida. The first game in Madison Square Garden, it's Baylor and South Carolina. Baylor getting minus three and a half. Yeah, Baylor's very good. Uh, that that spread might could be a little bit larger uh, if you were going to uh, uh, play that game. Baylor's got a lot of athletes. Uh, they had a little bit of a lull there a couple games in the Big 12. But, you know, in the Big 12, you've got some teams like Iowa State that surprise people all year long. I still got – I, I got I to gotta like Baylor in that one. But I'll tell you what, Darius Thornwell. You know, we talked back a month ago about the highlights of the SEC season, and I said he's obviously the MVP of the of – the, conference this year and he showed it this past week he is such a great great player he's a senior they have a hard time scoring when he's not scoring but they play such great defense that you're not going to score much about them uh but i still like baylor in that so we will uh, move back to thursday the west regional in san jose thursday night tip time 739 gonzaga and west virginia gonzaga getting minus three yeah i mean you know Gonzaga surprised a lot of people this year, and, uh, you know, the, by being a three-point favorite, but this is one I'm going to go against the grain. Uh, I'm picking an upset all the way. i become a fan of Huggy Bear this year. I was going to say, when I walked in here, all I heard was Huggy Bear, and I didn't know if uh, you were talking 70s television or uh, Bob Huggins. But uh, he's got a, a, a team that's just really, really hard-nosed this year. Their athletes are physical. I just think this is going to be his year, and you know what? I ran a poll a couple of weeks ago, and I named four coaches who had never won a title. Who would you most like to see win it if Kentucky couldn't win it? And I, I listed uh, Sean Miller at Arizona. I listed Mark Few at Gonzaga. I listed Bob Huggins at West Virginia. And I can't remember who the fourth one was. But it was uh, it was Bob Huggins who was getting the majority of the votes. And uh, I, I'm just going to ride him this year. Thursday night, the second game in the West Regional of San Jose, 
Xavier and Arizona. Xavier's kind of become the second Cinderella team of this tournament, but Arizona getting minus seven and a half. Yeah, Arizona's just got so much talent, and I think Xavier's probably as far as they can go. Wouldn't shock me if they upset Arizona. Uh, this would be a very, very bitter loss for Sean Miller if he were to lose this game at Arizona. They've, they've been upset two or three times the last four years when they should have won. He's got the horses now. He's got on – uh, but but I I, th- I think that uh, they've got this uh, big se- uh, seven foot uh, kid at Arizona is just going to be I think too much for Xavier to handle. Let me get your thoughts on Sean Miller. Boy, I mean you know he he's he's going to have a lot of opportunities. He's already had a lot a lot of opportunities to leave Arizona, but then Arizona may be one of the top ten programs in the country to coach at. There's never the pressure there that there is like a Kentucky or North Carolina or a Duke or Kansas. So that may be the bit that's keeping him at Arizona. If he'd had a couple of these uh, upsets that he left the tournament early at any of those schools that I just mentioned, they'd probably be ready to let him go. So he's probably going to be there for a while. And But he is obviously one of the top ten coaches in the country. We'll talk about the Midwest Regional in Tulsa Thursday night, 939, Kansas and Purdue. Kansas getting minus five. I would love to pick Purdue. I think Caleb Swanigan is the best player that John Calipari's missed out on in a long time here. I mean, he he is a one-man wrecking ball for Purdue. And Purdue's got some other decent players, but, I mean, he just stands out over the others. But i tell you what, right now, uh, there's nobody playing the game better than Kansas. And they've got some off-the-court issues, but when you can go out there and leave them, they've had an awfully lot of close games, a lot of scares, and if they do get beat, everybody's going to say, well, I saw that coming. They just had too many scares. I got to stay with them until they lose them because Josh Jackson and Frank Mason, boy, I mean, they're just big-time players. You're not going to get any argument out of me on Kansas. Michigan, the first game in the uh, Midwest Regional, 7:09 tip time on Thursday night. Oregon and Michigan, the other Cinderella team, Michigan, after everything they went through in the Big Ten tournament, Michigan getting minus one. Oregon lost their center earlier this year. He's uh, He's been out. Uh, they got Dylan Brooks, great, great, great player. I just don't see Michigan losing right now. They're, they're the, they're, are the real Cinderella team right now. With the planes skidding off the runway when they were trying to go to the Big Ten tournament, they went to the Big Ten tournament, won four games in four days. Uh, it's got all – the makings, if they win this first game, all you will hear from CBS until they get beat, if they do get beat, well, about the Michigan story. And they've got a kid on that team that doesn't play. He was a sophomore in high school. He first was in an airplane crash with his mother and father and two siblings seven or eight years ago. And everybody in it except he and his father died. And four years later, after his father had remarried, his new family and his father flies to this same vacation spot that they had gone to five or six years earlier, and that plane crashes and kills everybody on the plane except this 15-year-old kid, the same one. Michigan had offered him a scholarship. He had committed to him as a sophomore. They honored his scholarship, and he went on there. Now, the ironic thing was is when they made the trip to New York for the Big Ten, he didn't make the trip with him on that plane that didn't get off the runway. But the inspiration of that story 
back in with the whole Michigan thing and how they come on to end the season. That's just got Cinderella written all over it. And I'm going to go with Michigan in this particular game. We move on down to the South Regional. We're going walking in Memphis. Hopefully we might see the king down there. If you see him, tell him I'll pay to watch him play rough. He never did pay that final visit. And you got that ticket stub somewhere, don't you? Obviously. You dig it out. Let me know. North Carolina and Butler. Carolina getting minus seven and a half over Butler. Going to be some upsets here somewhere. Uh, Butler beat Villanova twice this year. They were very, very good. Unless North Carolina just doesn't show up, though. I look for North Carolina to win this game. But North Carolina's been playing a little patsy, too. I mean, by all rights, if Arkansas gets that call, they may not even be here. But the spread is so wide, uh, I'll have to go with North Carolina there. And the nightcap on Friday night, once again, it's going to be a late one for us, Oscar. UK and UCLA in their rematch, 939. Of course, we know how those tip times work. That's what uh, it's slated for, UCLA getting minus one. I'm not going to make any bones, but I'm not going to use any uh, analytical uh, knowledge or predictions here. I'm going to be a homer. I'll just say Kentucky. And that's what I like right there from you, being a homer and the Cats moving on to the regional finals. So let's work our way back up, Carolina and Kentucky in the regional finals. I like Kentucky taking on Kansas. You like Kentucky and Kansas in the final four? Yes, Kentucky and Kansas in the final four. Okay, and then on the other side of the bracket, he got the final four. I'm going to go with uh, two upsets. I'm going with Florida and West Virginia. Going with Florida and West Virginia. So your final four, Florida, West Virginia, Kansas – and Kentucky. Well, do you want to make a bold prediction about those two games? Go for it. West Virginia over Florida. West Virginia over Florida. Okay. And I'm going to take my blue glasses off. Now, I'm looking at your bracket, and I'm looking at it upside down here. Does that say UK? Uh, uh, I'm going to say West Virginia and Kansas in the oh, championship. Come on. Kansas to win it all. Come on. Oscar, I'll see you this weekend. I hope you got a good spread of hot wings for me, and uh, we'll watch some basketball. We'll be ready.